From losing all of his money to rebuilding his consulting business, John Robinson shares his story on how he had to dig deep and learn how to ask for help. He defines that as his turnaround moment where he realized the power of investing in people. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks. I have found the secret to transforming trauma into treasure. We start by choosing to invest in ourselves first, and then it overflows onto others. By sharing how we have overcome our obstacles, we ignite a tiny spark of hope, love, connection, and community in other people. And when we ignite that spark, the whole world lights up. And that's the power of investing in people. Just imagine what you could ignite when you invest in yourself first. Uh, Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today, my guest is John Robinson. How are you doing today, John? I am fantastic. My world is better today than it was yesterday. Well, John, I am so incredibly honored and thrilled that you are here. Um, What John doesn't know is that I have been a fan from afar (laughs) for the last four years that we've been connected. And I'm so excited that we finally actually got to meet sort of, virtually in the last couple of weeks. So thank you for being here. Oh, you're welcome. I, I, I look forward to the conversation for sure. So John and I met through the Alt-MBA alumni group, and that was like four years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Time has flown. I think four days ago feels like a long time, but four years ago is even longer. Yeah. And so he is just this amazing, incredible human being who put together these mega connections twice a week or three times a week and invited uh, the people and the alumni. And I was like, wait, I need to get on that. And so I've just created this. Uh, so he's created this connection call during this um, interesting time of COVID or Groundhog Day, spring of 2020, whatever you want to call it. And so I just can't thank you enough for being here and for creating that connection. So I always start off with, um, what does investing in people mean to you? (laughs) Uh, I like that you didn't give me any primer questions to prepare for this. So uh, what does the power of investing in people mean to me? I think it comes from a fundamental place of belief. And it's a belief that all people are good. It's a belief that all people have value. And it's a belief that all people want to share and to be helped. Mm. That, that's, what, that's what I would say. Gosh, I love this because I've never answered this before, so I like it recording this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I would say are the fundamentals for the power of investing in people. Because people are like the sun, like in in the middle of the solar system, it is the most powerful energy source we have. I think people are are the most powerful energy source. 
So true. I can, I totally agree with you. So has there been an obstacle that you've overcome that you wanted, um, that you invested in yourself and it showed that yourself that you wanted to invest in other people? Yeah. You know, if you, if restating that and, and hearing it in a different way, was there a dip or was there a rock bottom moment where I had to dig deep and look inside and invest in me first so that I could appreciate the power of people? Yes, 100%. And the story is this. I had a financial event that happened on 2000, in May 2012, actually May 23rd, 2012, which is a day after my birthday, which, yes, I'm going to be 50 on May 22nd of this year. But, um, yeah, <laughs> so on May 23rd, 2012, I went to log into my financial accounts, personal and business, and... I logged in to pay bills and every account showed zero. Mm. Every account. It was personal checking and savings. Three business accounts with checking and savings all showing zero. So Mm. I thought it was identity theft. So I called and Wells Fargo, Mm. and I'm going to say them with a a cringe, Mm -hmm. um, they they forwarded me on to a special unit. And I thought, oh, okay, great, the identity theft unit. Mm-hmm. And they forwarded me to a unit, which was a business unit that said that they, without my permission, swooped all of my accounts to pay off a loan that they said that I was in default on, wow. which, which I, I didn't know. The reason why I didn't know is because most of my accounts with Wells Fargo, primary mortgage, secondary mortgage, and three business lines of credit, plus a business loan, plus a credit card. I'm trying to think of all the stuff. I had a lot of accounts. Mm. They were all tied to direct debit. And the one account, I forgot to replenish the savings account that it was being pulled out of. So the, the monthly payment was uh, $297. Mm-hmm. I was only three payments behind of $297. And they went into my accounts and t- t- took almost six figures of savings and checking to pay off that loan that was only three payments behind, which I never knew it was. They didn't give me any notifications, no, nothing wow. in the mail, no certifications. The calls that they placed, they said they placed calls. They called me all the time to telemarket. So I never knew if it was ever a call to talk about, hey, your, your, your account is three months past due. Well, I had a $5,000 a month mortgage with them. Mm. So for less than a grand, they took all my money. So with all that said, I know it's a long setup, but there was a moment for those next two years where I just gave it all away, walked away and slept on a floor in San Diego for a year on an air mattress starting over. And I hit rock bottom then of Mm. in the middle of the night, everybody thinking I'm crazy because I gave away everything. And that house that I let go of, put it on the Craigslist ad and 
you know, 4,000 square feet of furniture and stuff, I just gave away. And my mother thought I was crazy and friends thought I was crazy. And I ended up in a dip at a rock bottom. So there was that moment of I needed to dig deep and find the power within myself first. Hmm. And, and from there, what ends up happening, I needed help. I needed mm. to ask for help, but I'd never asked for help at any time because I walked away from everything. Mm. I, and when I started making calls to people and saying, hey, ran out of money, I got to pay rent. It, it was my most humble moment ever because I've rarely asked for help ever. I am the product of the oldest of, of three and two younger sisters I grew up well before I was supposed to. So I've always been super responsible and never really asked for help. So that's, that was my moment when I realized that there was power in investing in people. Mm, Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And thank you for doing your, uh, you always do this. And I love that you do this. You put your clarifying spin (laughs) on what people say and go, no, this, this is what I hear. And you just redirect and clarify in words that you understand and know how to answer. So thank you so much for sharing that story with us. And out of that rock bottom moment, Mm -hmm. is that when you created your own business? Hmm. Um, Yes and no. So I'll say yes. And the fact that I did a new version of it. And no, I had already done my consultancy. So whenever, when anyone asks me, like, what do you do for a living? I never answer it because I'm like, well, what do I do with my time? And then how do I make money? Like those are very separate than what do I do? And what I do is I am a business consultant mm-hmm. as, at a whole, an entrepreneur and a business consultant. So I had always been a business consultant since 2006 for uh, an entity called Backup CEO. And I've been doing that for years. But when I untangled in 2012, I put it on pause. I put Mm -hmm. it in a sleep mode for a year, almost a year and a half, which hence why I ran out of money. And then from this new place, I came at the business model very differently. A lot more humble, Mm -hmm. very empathetic, because I'd never known what it was to have zero balances in accounts since I was, I can't even think, you know what? I've never had a zero balance in, from when mm-hmm. I opened my first checking and uh, savings account ever. So that humility that showed up from that experience caused me to connect more with, you know, my client, my soon to be new clients Mm. than the ones that I, you know, let go of when I went through that, when I went through that dip. And if people were to say midlife crisis, they were to say, I guess midlife crisis. Sure. Maybe that was my midlife crisis at 42 years old, whatever it is, it was a reboot kind of like today. Mm. I believe that today is a, is an, Today is everybody's midlife crisis. Mm, yeah. Like that is, if, if you want to, they say, get the most out of a crisis. Well, get the most out of a reboot. And mm. so that's where I would lean toward is like today's business is because I rebooted it in 2012. 
Mm, I love that. So in honor of what you just said, how are you rebooting from this, what we're going through and moving forward? Fortunately for me, it's not very much a reboot. It's a boost. Mm. And what I mean by that is in 2006, I have had a fundamental belief that I could make an impact over the phone, Mm. that I could be an executive coach, executive business coach over the phone and not in person. And I got a lot of pushback on that because this idea of virtual executive coaching was not embraced. They wanted you to be on the site. And I said, no, I can, I can lead, guide, listen, direct from the phone. Mm-hmm. So since 2006 was the last time I drove into an office. And mm-hmm. I've been doing virtual executive coaching since then. So right now, it's a boost to me because more people are now comfortable with Zoom and video conferencing that I am busier than I've ever been. So there is no rebooting. It's a boosting, if anything. Mm, I love that. And I, it's, it's funny you mentioned the um, virtual. So when we took the Alt-MBA, it was on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And it, if you don't know what it is, please check it on, out with uh, Elt MBA with Seth Godin. It was a mind or a month long sprint that was definitely mind and life altering for me. And when I got out, done with that experience, I remember talking to some clients who are, you know, corporate executives. And I would say, I think going into an office is going to shift. And real estate is going to shift. I said, once there's technology out there like Zoom or, or uh, I think it's WebEx and others are out there, more people are going to be working virtually. And they laughed at me. <laughs> they were like, how could that be? Of course, we're going to still have offices. So how ha- what, was, what was your, when you said that, what was their reaction? And what is their reaction now? So the objections that I got back then were you have to see it in order to believe it. Mm-hmm. You have to be here in order to feel what's going on. So that's what they said then. What are they saying now? There's no objections. Right. Um, they're getting it. You know, they, a lot of leaders are starting to buy into, you know, virtual leadership and, and they're seeing it because they don't want to have to pay for as much professional office space as they did before because they realize they're not using it. So there is the way that we buy and the way that we accept and the way that we reject has completely changed. Mm. Like what we rejected before the COVID virus we are now accepting a bit. And then what we accepted before, we're starting to reject even more. There are more people working from home that want to stay working from home. (laughs) They don't want to sit in traffic anymore. So as as I think about your question, it goes even broader than the one people. It's like humanity. Mm-hmm. It's like what are, what are the what are the changes that we now embrace that we didn't before? And for fortunately for me, virtual 
coaching and virtual leadership is being embraced. And the technology has helped a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, being that we've been on Zoom for four years, uh, sure, the technology was there. The way that it works today, very different than it used to work. It's more reliable. There's more functionality. Um, there's more adoption from it. We were early adopters. Yeah. Alt-MBA. Alt-MBA was an early adopter. I was Alt-MBA 5. Yeah, I was, were... I was 8. Right. So, so and... we were in the same year. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, we're early adopters. So now there's, you know, people are catching up with technology. Even Alt-MBA, I think it's into 40 now. Wow. 40 sessions. Yeah. So, so yeah. Well, and, and talk about early adopters. Uh, Mm -hmm. You use the term on your bio, social entrepreneur. So tell (laughs) me what uh, that means to you. Oh gosh, you asked this. I, I'm smiling from ear to ear because it's enlightenment for me. I, I got this new enlightenment in January of this year because I submitted my credentials for um, a fellowship at Harvard and I didn't get it. And the fellowship is, was supposed to start in September. I'm not sure they're even going to do it now, but I submitted, you know, for this fellowship and they picked nine people around the world for a year to be on the Harvard campus and MIT campuses to uh-huh. do your thing. To, to go to any class you want to, to meet with professors, you name it. And I thought if there was anybody that should be on those campuses, it should be me because I want to make an impact. Mm-hmm. So as I went through the process of the application, they ask you for reflection. What were your 20s like? What were your 30s like? What were your 40s like? And I started digging deep. My 20s, my 20s were, were about marketing and learning marketing. And I was in the Fortune 100, 200 companies in my 20s. And that was at, you know, middle management. In my 30s, early 30s, I hit upper management for Fortune 100 in marketing. Then my late 30s, I got into entrepreneurship. I separated from the mothership and I started doing my own thing since 2006. Then my 40s, I just messed it all up again because... (laughs) I re-engineered what my purpose was. Like, what is my self-esteem built on? You know, what is my character about? You know, how do I earn money by living in my core values instead of stepping on my core values? So my 40s, my, the 10 years of my 40s were to redesign me. And what I learned is that I love entrepreneurship. I love people. And I am that guy that takes stands for people. So I create things that socially impact them. And you know what the best way to impact people? Know their issues. Mm -hmm. So social issues, or that's where social entrepreneur comes from, is that my 50s are going to be spent on more projects that are addressing social issues than I've ever done before. So that's where that comes from. Well, I love that. And thank you so much for sharing that. I am actually certified in social entrepreneurship. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Now I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the word purpose. And uh-huh. so for me, social entrepreneurship is purpose driven as well as profit driven. And so what is your social group or what is the purpose of your entrepreneurship? I'll tell you the source where it is. Love. 
Love is the source of, of anything that I spend time on. So if you said, what are some of the projects that you're, I mean, you've started in, during the COVID crisis? What, what, what are some of the projects that you started that source from love? You already mentioned one, which is this mega connections call. Mm-hmm. No, I said, what would happen if I dedicated three days a week at a half an hour and invited the people that I know that needed somewhere to go to vent, to get energized, to be heard, to be seen, to help others, to feel generous, to feel cared about. So I created that space. What's happened? We get about seven to 10, 15 people to join a call and talk and share. So that's one of the projects. Um, Another project is I created a Saturday circle for men. I figured if there was no time than the present to get men to start leading at a, a higher level, leading themselves, leading their households, leading people, it's now. So I said, what would happen if on a Saturday from 9 to 11 Pacific time that I would get people at the time before COVID, it was in a circle, literally, we met face to face. But now that it's gone remote, now we have a remote call that has a list of 100 people. We get about Mm. 25 to 30 men every Saturday morning to talk for two hours about what they're trying to figure out and what they're making happen. Mm. Same space. So that's love. That's love. So um, another project is called the Proximity Project. I said, what would happen if I went into my own neighborhoods as a business consultant, as an entrepreneur, and I just helped small businesses that were just trying to make it, you know, and offer my tools, tips, and techniques, my luck, my connections, you name it, what would happen? Now I have friends. Like these business owners have become friends because they're like, you don't want anything from me? No, I just don't want to see this boarded up. Right. I want to see your dream go to your reality of what you meant it to be. So reeling myself all the way back in, what is social entre- what is social entrepreneurship about love mm. yeah and you said it so beautifully explained each one what you do and i want the audience to hear you're not charging for this <laughs> you're coming from a place of love mhm I have done the exact same thing this whole uh, almost 60 days of isolation. And I have consulted with clients. I have given away coaching. I have connected people that I know with people who I know will help whoever I'm talking to. And I am in awe of the love that I get back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm in shock because that wasn't an, I wasn't doing it for that reason. I was just being me and how can I add value or be helpful or, you know, just help someone who's, I mean, we're all going through this. We're all experiencing this in our own way. So I was just coming from a place of love too. So that just makes me happy that you were doing all that. Hey, I'm learning love. I'm not trying to act like I've known this for a while. So <laughs> I'm the I had, same. I'm the same. I had, to re, I had to reprogram myself. Like I said, the 20s and 30s, I was working in corporate America. I was working on the empire versus the earth. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge shift for me mm-hmm. is, is going from that place to the other place. I 
I didn't know any better. And my, my grad school, my, I got my MBA. I, it was all about like me, me, me in a way that was about power and possessions and prestige. And that, that didn't feel right. Empire to earth. I love that. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so John, I mean, we could talk for several hours, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. I, I am giving you permission to ask me again to come back and we'll do another 25 minutes on any topic as many times as you want me to come back. I, I love sharing. As I'm wearing a t-shirt that says, say less for those that could see it. Yeah. Um, Sometimes I don't say less. I like, I like to share. Yeah. And you do such a great job at it. So speaking of sharing, Mm -hmm. tell us how people can contact you. Where can they find you? Wow. Everywhere in social media, uh, Backup CEO. So on Twitter, at Backup CEO, Instagram, Backup CEO, Facebook, Backup CEO, and uh, even email. So John, J-O-H-N, at Backup CEO. And dot com, backupstudio.com. And what I would put out there, if you need to to be heard, if you're running into uh, any challenge, either everyday life, love, work, or play, I get energy off of that, of just being someone that can either share what I know to be true or connect you with someone that would know what I don't know. Mm, thank you. Thank you. And I always like to leave, leave with this question. So mm-hmm. what is the scripture phrase or mantra that you're living by right now? Mm, scripture phrase or mantra. Oh man, this is just too easy. Um, and that's because I have this t-shirt on say less. And, and when I, and I know it's probably supposed to be the quick answer, but say less is the mantra. And what that means to me, if I had something on the back, listen more. Yeah. Like, so, so that's what that means to me. The more that we say less and listen more, we will connect with people. So that's my mantra. Mm, I love it. And as, uh, I, as we were on the call earlier on your mega connection call and you said, say less on your shirt. I kept thinking that like, listen more, listen more, listen more. So thank you for sharing that with us. And thank, thank you for listening. And you can find John at backupceo.com. Are you looking for an inspiring and energetic speaker or host for your special event? Do you wish to have more confidence, more love, and more accepting of yourself? And you're curious about how to work with me one-on-one? Or are you looking for a brainstorming and visionary consultant on how to grow your business? When your answer is yes then I invite you to send me an email at heyshay at shaysparks.com. That's H-E-Y-S-H-A at S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S dot com. Looking forward to hearing from you.
for being a part of our show. And it's people like you that make this show possible. So we hope that you know you are appreciated. Don't forget to subscribe, comment, and share this podcast. And when you want to continue the fun and conversation, join my official community on the Shea Sparks Facebook page. That's S-H-A-S-P-A-R-K-S on Facebook. Looking forward to connecting with you. May your day be filled with the sparks of hope that ignites you to invest in yourself and the people around you. Why, you may ask? Because you are worth it. Thank you.